0: Hey friends, just a quick note on this episode. John was one of the most fascinating humans I've ever had the privilege of interviewing. His story is just shocking and it's remarkable how he was able to overcome his past. Now, I just want to give you a heads up that if you're around kids or listening at work, that there's quite a bit of explicit language and graphic detail to the examples he leaves behind. So, just a quick warning on that and Thanks, as always, for tuning in and enjoy this one. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Behind the Human. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it is my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today I'm speaking with John Joseph, plant-based, 12-time Ironman, two-time Kona World Championship finisher, author, coach, original singer of Cro-Mags and Blood Clot, PMA, I would say you're a global advocate for PMA, positive mental attitude, and correct me on the pronunciation here, but uh, someone practicing Bhakti Yoga. Bhakti
1: Yoga, under the direction of AC Bhaktivedanta Swami
0: Prabhupada. Amazing. A little bit more context just on your your backstory here. John comes from a broken home of a violent alcoholic father. He spent six years in an abusive foster home. was homeless on the mean streets of New York City in the mid-70s. That must have been something. By the age of 14, battled drug addiction and spent two years in violent lockups. But he was able to overcome all of those traumatic experiences and rebuild his life by applying the principles of a positive mindset combined with discipline and an unwavering work ethic. I mean, I think you could probably tell from our, our chats before the show, I'm just stoked to have you on. So thanks for making some time.
1: Absolutely, man. Um, I, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be on. Thanks for reaching out to me. Um, even if one person is helped by anything that's uh, coming out of my mouth, it's a good day.
0: <laughs> I, I agree with that. So let's, let's kick it off. I mean, I asked the same question to kick off all these shows and it's just to get an idea on, um, who you are without any type of titles or anything like that. And, And the question is, is, is simply that, who are you?
1: Uh, well, you saw my shirt before we took the video off and, uh, spiritual revolutionary. That's what I believe. I believe that all the answers in the material world to the problems that exist could be answered uh, and solved when we take the focus outside and direct it inside and work yeah. our asses off to make this place uh, a better planet for all living entities, man. And, uh, you know, discipline's been the, the key for me. I, you know, I lived two years as a monk, uh, strict, celibate monk, hmm. you know, practicing every single day up early. And, uh, you know, so I would kind of merged that with uh, the street knowledge that I had coming off the streets and also, um, you know, just trying to help other people, man, pay it forward. A lot of people were there for me when I was a mess and fucked up and had no direction in life. And that's something you can never pay back. You just have to pay it forward.
0: Love it. Well, I definitely want to cover a little bit just to set some context um, to how you got to this because, I mean, there, you ha- you've got a hell of a story and you've been through, you know, a lot that I think many, uh, even even just experiencing a fraction of what you've had to go through over life, um, you know, wouldn't have come out of that, right? And I think you said this um, on, on Rich Roll's podcast, but in relation to uh, your book, The PMA Effect, you know, you had to write it because you, you, you didn't feel like you you should be. You never thought you'd be actually sitting in front of him or still alive. Like, can you share a little bit, you know, a, a version of the, the story or how you got to this place? I know there's a lot, but take it wherever you want to go.
1: Um, well, yeah, my father was a professional fighter. He fought under Custom Auto over there at Gramercy Gym with, with all the world champions back in the day uh, before Customato moved up to uh, the Catskills to train Mike Tyson. And you know, the thing is, um, somebody, a relative reached out from my father's side. Guy never had any relationship with him because he tried to basically murder my mom. He abused us, abused her, beat her while she was pregnant with me, uh, stole her money, you know, just one of the worst human beings you could possibly imagine. And um, you know, she reached out to me a couple of weeks ago. She's like, "Hey, I'm your cousin. I'm the daughter of your father's brother." And then wow. you know, we. St- I mean, fucking, what are the odds of that? She's yeah. fifty five. I'm I'm going to be turning fifty nine. And uh, we never knew each other. And she lives in Long Beach, Long Island, which I I ride my bike out there and train for Ironman going out there. I'm like, holy shit. And she said that, uh, you know, and I heard this from other professional fighters. My brother went to a fundraiser for boxers, I don't know, like 10 years ago. And when they found out who he was, they all started coming over and telling him what, what she told me was that he had the potential to become you know, one of the top fighters in his weight division, and he wanted to be a gangster more than he wanted to uh, f- be a boxer, and hmm. he also was an alcoholic. So that's a deadly combination. And he ended up being uh, a collector for guys from the Westies, like the Irish mob here in New York City. If you didn't pay... They would send him over there and make you pay. Yeah. And um, anyway, the, like I said in my book, the last memory I have is the night he broke into my mom's house and, and almost beat her to death. And, uh, the cops took us away. They put us, uh, the state took us away from her because she was spiraling into depression. We went, uh, into, and we got bounced around and then ended up the three brothers back, in this insanely abusive foster home for six years. I mean, every kind of fucking abuse you can imagine they were doing to us and, uh, you know, starving us. We had to, like, steal the dog's food to eat. Like, that's how bad it was. And, And they were getting money from the state, and they had a bunch of foster kids, and we weren't allowed in the house. We were never allowed to wash our clothes. We didn't get clothes, even though they got money for clothes from the state through the foster care system, they made us climb into the Salvation Army dumpsters and, you know, going to school and you fucking show up with some other kids shit that they threw out, you know, we were just ridiculed and picked on. And it started making me a very, very angry person for what was done to me as a child. And, uh, the beatings, you know, we were sexually abused by the older kids in the home. Um, and it just fucking, you know, once I came out of there, I was like, nobody's ever going to put their hands on me again. And, and, you know, I went to other foster homes. They got rid of us because we were damaged goods. And um, and then we ended up, myself and my older brother, in St. John's Home for Boys in Rockaway Beach in 76. And uh, that's, uh, you know, when the real, believe it or not, the real chaos started because... We were the only white kids in the home. It was in an Irish neighborhood. So the kids all got beat on the black and Spanish kids every time they left the property. So those kids took that shit out on us. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it was just crazy. I mean, the first time I took LSD with this one kid and he, he, you know, his father's mother's boyfriend burned him, almost burned him alive, threw him in a tub with, Out uh, lighter fluid and set him on fire he was i mean these kids in there were fucked up man and and like you can't blame them for anything that was you know that they became from what was done to them i always tell people look at the past man like i was watching this documentary on prostitution and how these prostitutes were killed by this one serial killer that killed like 78 of them and she said you know we don't. We don't want to be. We didn't want to be prostitutes. That's not something I. Hey, I want to be a prostitute. Yeah. It happens because of a result of trauma in their lives. Yeah. And that's the same because I've been in this shit. I deal with inmates. I, I I deal with kids in foster homes. I you know I kind of try to mentor them, and it's the same shit. You know. So. The, I ended how up. Leaving get, how did you the get home. out of it? Well, I'm gonna tell you because. When I ran away from St. John's home for boys, the first time, it was 1976. And, uh, you know, I got arrested on the streets. I sold drugs to an undercover narcotics officer. And then they, St. John's took me back. I, I left again. And then uh, I got caught for a B&E, breaking and entering. We tried to break into the roof of this supermarket to get into the safe And uh, we got caught. Then they were like, you know, I had to beg them not to send me to Spofford Correctional Facility in the Bronx, which was crazy. So uh, they took me back one last time. And then um, I took LSD with that guy that got burned. And he tried to murder me with a hunting knife while we was tripping. And I smashed him up with a chair, and then it was like I had to leave because they said the next thing that you do in here, I was on probation. You know, I was a, I was awaiting court for those two cases, and then I, I had to leave, and I went onto the streets for good in January of 77. I got caught up selling drugs. Like, my first girlfriend od from heroin. I was a heroin mule. Um You know, and and the violence of the streets of New York City. As much as like I'm writing a film about that one year now that uh, which was my first year out on the streets was 77. It was the Summer of Punk, Son of Sam, the blackout, like just all of it compiled together. And there's this 15 year old kid out on the streets, like having to fucking survive through all of that. And I always had a thing against my mother because like. She never took us back when she had the chance because her boyfriend didn't want us around. It's called cock blocking. You know, I'm not, I don't want these three kids around, you know, and I'm trying to have my, get my sex and do whatever. And he was an asshole to her too, you know, forced her to have an abortion against her will. I mean, she got pregnant by my father raping her. That's how I was born. And, my younger brother, too. He broke in and raped her and she wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't be here talking to you if she yeah. would have done what the family said to do. She's like, no, they're, they're still my babies. I, I I can't do that. So just like everything I knew, it just kept the anger just kept, you know, building and building. And, and uh, I was I just became this like crazy street fighter dude that uh, I was like, if you're bigger than me. I'm going to put a pipe across your face. Yeah. Like, I mean, there was people. New York City was the murder capital of the United States. There was people out there that would kill you. I got stabbed. I got shot because uh, of the circles I was running around with. Most of those people ended up murdering people that I was hanging around with, two in particular. And they they were murdered later on. So I was running in very violent circles. And, uh, you know... I uh, ended up in Forest Park um, at the Dome. You know. Meanwhile, you know, I'm going to punk rock concerts. I'm 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 living every kid's fantasy, man. I got no adults telling me what the fuck to do. But you know, I never had a place to live. I would sleep in the stairwells of buildings and the staircases at the top of these big apartment buildings because they had a heater a radiator whatever radiator at the top level, or I would sleep on the trains in the wintertime. I would sleep in porno theaters. You pay a dollar and just, you know, it was always, you got to watch your back. That's Mm -hmm. what it was all about. And, uh, I ended up in forest park selling angel dust. I wrote a pilot about, you know, this whole situation and, uh, I had Howie Tannenbaum want to meet me who represents Vince Gilligan who did Breaking Bad. So that's how crazy the story was. And it was a period piece, but, uh, you know, things just come up like somebody read my book and was like, yo, so I was selling dust for this guy, uh, name, uh, they, they, the mob called the muscle Mike. Okay, but we called him Disco Mike because he was the only disco dude at the dome. It was all rockers. And then there was this other guy that manufactured the dust. So. This mob guy worked for them. And. um, When I got shot in the leg because we had sold this crazy dude's fucking sister. Angel dust. He came in and started shooting at everybody in the park, and I got shot with a 22 in the leg, and I couldn't go to the hospital. I got beat down by these like dudes in Spaghetti Park, what you would call guidos. I, I beat up one of their friends who beat up my friend, and then they beat me down with baseball bats. And when I went to the hospital, they wouldn't treat me. Unless my mother came and then all the warrants would have came up. So when I got shot, I knew I couldn't go to the hospital. So I went back to this dude's house with this other kid and he drugged us and tried to rape us. And I woke up and fought him off, but he raped the other kid. And I walked in and beat him with a baseball bat and robbed his house. And somebody just hit me up. I swear, like last friday and goes yo look at this newspaper article that's the dude you're talking about so he did he ended he did that shit to a lot of kids in forest park okay right and he did it to the wrong kid he did it to the nephew of a colombo crime family member he (laughs) raped one of their kids one of their nephews so they broke a broomstick off in his ass, murdered him and chopped him up into pieces. And it, they found, they found the pieces of this guy. So like I always say, Karma never loses an address. You're going to get yours when you do shit to people in life. So that led to me. Uh, I, I ended up getting busted at the dome. And that was for possession with intent to sell angel dust. And, they wanted me to snitch on who was manufacturing it, which I wouldn't do. Cause I know what the code of the street is. You don't rat ever. So plus like these guys were mob connected. You wrapped somebody out, you're going to go inside and, and you put somebody away for 10, 15 years. They're going to have you killed while you're locked up. Mm-hmm. And it just, wasn't my thing. I was like, they offered me a drug rehabilitation program or I'm going to go upstate for four to six. So I rolled the dice. I got two. And that's when I just, you know, really started to like wonder where the fuck my life was going at that point. Um, You know, they took us to maximum security prisons, the scared straight program to try to scare us. This was 78. Um, didn't work. Uh, I just learned how to be a better criminal, and when I got out, I caught another drug case. And then they offered me uh, the military or going back upstate. I was still underage, so I had to have my mother sign me in to the navy. And she was dating this recruiter, so she was able to get all the chart. You know, he was able to like get my past buried. So I went in for four, four years in the Navy. And when I got to Norfolk, I just didn't fit in. I was, you know, I was, you know, when I was locked up, they had me seen a psychiatrist. They put me on like fucking meds at the beginning. And I was like, didn't take them anymore. And then, you know, the Navy said I was a time bomb waiting to go off.
0: Were you numbed out at that point? Yeah, I was
1: taking so much. Out. Listen, I was in uniform. I, I'm going to put it to you this way. My brother, E also got incarcerated with me. We were both locked up upstate, and we both went into the Navy program in the in the buddy program January uh, of 1980. Okay. And um, when we went to Fort Hamilton in Brooklyn to ship out on a Navy flight to, to Great Lakes boot camp, he goes, yo. I used to hang out in this neighborhood over here. There's a guy that sells dust five blocks away. So we went over there and we bought a bunch of bags of angel dust and smoked them and went went to
0: boot camp high
1: on angel dust. You
0: just and couldn't then, get away from it, eh? It's yeah, just, well, I'm a drug.
1: I was, I'm, I was a drug addict, you know. Like yeah. I was, I wasn't dealing with my past. So you, you're going to have to try to numb that shit or Explosive violence. Mm -hmm. That's how I dealt with it. You know, I was never a bully, but. If anybody, you know, for lack of a better word, if anybody fucked with me, then I would make them pay severely for it, you know, and that's just that's where I was at at that point in my life. And then I got down to Norfolk, Virginia, and um, I started selling drugs. I had a drug business going while i'm in the military making all this money i had the hottest girl on the whole naval base as my girlfriend like like incredible girl and um going to all the punk rock clubs going out deployed and i would sneak back drugs and then i you know i i sold to an undercover cop at the king's head inn i was set up And uh, and then I had a civilian case, which due to my circumstances in the military, if I fucked up, I was going to get locked up. So. The whole thing was I wasn't going back to jail and then I beat somebody down on my ship. And uh, that kept messing with me. And then they were going to send me to Leavenworth. And that's when I split and I went on to the streets again in 19, the beginning of 81 and had met the Bad Brains in DCs at shows. And that was the change in my life because they were surrounded by very positive people into yoga and plant-based diets and fucking meditation and philosophy and, and, and just these badass musicians. And they were the ones... My association completely changed and and, and um, that was the key to me. The initial change in my life came from that, you know, and, okay. and that's, you know, I, I stopped eating meat. I stopped doing drugs. I, I got into music. I, uh, I went on tour, you know, and I was still I have federal warrants, you know, I have federal warrants for 15 years. So, wow. Um, I was a fugitive, you know, living under an assumed identity. That's how uh, even as a monk, everything, you know, traveling, touring. Uh, you know, on MTV, everything with the military, you know, yeah. they don't look for you. They just put the warrants out. And then if you fuck up, your warrant comes up. So that's how that goes. You know, Man. they look for you for the first like few months they okay. showed up at my mom's house that you know I didn't have any relationship with her so she didn't see me and uh, you know that was the inciting incident for me to change was you know meeting the bad brains and then you know got a job at a health food store learned about health got free yoga classes from that started training um, you know just the whole
0: the environment, right?
1: The whole environment changed. That's why I always say education, not incarceration. I just did this documentary with Kip Anderson, who did What the Health and Cowspiracy, and Paul Degelda, the uh, Australian clearance diver. They're like that. That's like Australia's versions of the version of the Navy SEALs. We did a documentary together called Thirty to Life. Okay, working with inmate two got out of long sentences and we taught them yoga, had them jumping out lanes. Like it was, it's, 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 it's an amazing documentary. Like that's going to be dropping this year at some point.
0: Okay. Is there um so 30 life, is there uh is there a site up right now? People... Nah, no, yeah. We're, just,
1: we're not, we're not, it's, it's still being edited. So until all that's done, we're not gonna, we're keeping tight lipped, you know? Okay. I mean, I mentioned it, Paul mentions it, and Kip mentions it, but that's about it.
0: Gotcha. So then, how do you, before we get into just mental fitness, because I mean, I feel like that's a huge part or huge backbone into uh, your life now and, and ultimately what, you know, pivoted you out of that world. Like, how do you connect then with, you know, inmates and others that, are very much surrounded, right? Their environment is still just fueling all of this, this, this anger and negativity and, and you know, basically pushing them down the same path. But somehow you have, to, you have to pull them out, right, in a way.
1: Well, the only way you can do that, and that's why I've spoken at you know, maximum security facilities, gang high schools in New York City, drug programs all over the world, I was on a speaking circuit before this whole, you know, shit went down with the pandemic. So. Uh, the thing that resonates and the reason you get their attention is because I've walked in their shoes, you know, if somebody with a Ph.D. that thinks they understand these guys tries to go in there and talk to them, they are not going to give a fuck. Yeah. But when I tell my story of what I went through and then I had. A chance to go down one path or the other, and I chose under pressure. You know, the thing that really determines true character is those decisions that we make under pressure. So, when I was afforded the opportunity to change the path I was on, I did. And, you know, those guys are at a crossroads too. And, you know, I take out my passport and say, look at all the fucking places I've been all over the world. Look at, you know, the press. I've been on Joe Rogan's podcast. I've been, you know, featured on, you know, TV in New York City, Vice, all kinds of stuff. It's because I had to make that choice. Yeah. When you get sick of living that life, and I even relapsed from 88 to 90 because I never dealt with my past. So that's really a, a big part of it, too. For two years, I was a, I was, a, I was, a, I was a crackhead. Free ba- I started out, you know, the glitzy freebasing with multimillionaires, and within one year, I was a straight-up crackhead, burned every bridge, robbing dangerous drug dealers they put KOSs kill on sites out on me in new york i fled to california started robbing everybody out there red hot chili peppers merch person sold crystal meth i we me and my girl at the time robbed her we went on a like a bonnie and crackhead clyde mission for two years and meanwhile her stepfather was this huge hollywood producer friends with like the fbi he did the the 84 Ronald Reagan inauguration. That's who the, this girl's people were. S- extremely wealthy. We we blew through all, all the money. Sold her car. Just crazy shit. That you can't even believe that I'm still fucking alive if you read my book to the shit I did in those two years. Yep. <laughs> I had a motherfucker try to blow my head out with a 44 Magnum that a Colombian that we tried that I did successfully rob, but the person that was with me didn't do what he was supposed to do, and it almost cost me my life. But I didn't care. Uh, I, I, you know, and that's what happens if you don't face past trauma. It's just, it's just like a, a bone that doesn't heal properly, or or a wound that's, it's going to open up year after year, you know, and. Yeah that's what happened to me from 88 to 90. And that's writing my memoir was therapy for me. So I never saw psychiatrists. I never went to go talk to, you know, I talked to people as a way to cleanse myself and my demons. I, I used it in a service attitude way to go and tell my story to other inmates and people going through shit and that's how I was able to and, and writing especially I really got into writing and that's why I mm-hmm. wrote the PMA effect and that other book Meet is for pussies and, and I just keep writing you know that's what I do you know I'm doing a book on uh I just have a book coming out two books this year
0: two books I'm doing one and it's it's been a real challenge
1: <laughs> yeah it's you know you you got to show up every day and stay disciplined oh, yeah. So yeah, you know, really that's uh, why I get the ear of these people because uh, we come from the same background. I come from the system. I was raised by the state and the state failed me miserably. That's why the first night I slept under the boardwalk and I was Fourteen years old. Didn't know where I was going. I had ten dollars to my entire existence. Somehow or another there was a sense of peace. And then all hell broke loose. But I just dealt with it, you know. That's that's what you do. Yeah. And you don't sit there, you know, it's it's you just deal with it one day at a time. I got to make it through today. And that's what I do even these days. You know, I'm in recovery <laughs> for my addictions and all my other shit, but I'm choosing to show up today. I'm choosing to work hard on myself. I'm choosing to not let those thoughts control me. I'm choosing to be disciplined. I'm choosing to go out and help other people. So it's a daily process. Of course. You know, and it's the, it, it's about people. That's why I, I, I wore this shirt, spiritual revolutionary, because that's what I am. I don't fuck with politics. I could give a fuck less who the next president is, who was inaugurated today. You know, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a game of three card Monty, you know, And it's a hustle. And the dealers may change, but the deck is the same. Totally. They did it for fucking Bush. They did it for Clinton. They did it for Obama. He was over there doing the worst shit in the Middle East. And nobody said nothing about him. Trump. Same shit. And, 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 you know, and now they got the next guy, Biden and Harris. And, And, you know, I mean, you know, Biden's running it, but you know the first female. You know this is a fucking shit show, and the people just keep getting fucked. So I don't. You know there's a chapter. My guru, my guru's uh, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, wrote a book called The Science of Self Realization, and there's a chapter called Spiritual Solutions to Material Problems. See, everybody's trying to solve one material problem by making some artificial arrangement to to try to juggle the material energy but maya is going to kick you in the ass the illusion is going to kick you in the ass every time so you're never going to defeat the the maya the illusion Mm -hmm. and it's only by practice and detachment just like when you read in the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna says, it's easier to control the raging wind than, con- than to control the mind. How do we control the mind? And Krishna said, by practice and detachment. So that's, I practice that every day, man. You know, I get up, I do my sadhana, my program, I I, I chant, I read, I study philosophy, I look to help some brothers and sisters out there that may need it, whether it's going out and giving, like the other day, guys that are homeless encampments now all over New York city. Uh, Cause the mayor took $860 million and didn't do shit, but fucking give it to his friends and his bank account. And the homeless situations out of fucking control. I went and bought him like, a bunch of like fruit at the fruit stand, and and got him breakfast. Or, or I'll talk to people online. I answer every single fucking message that I get, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because a few years back, there was a guy, and uh, you know he came out on my, I, I, you know he 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 responded to my Instagram stuff and whatever, and. He had just gotten out of prison. You know, he has a child with a learning disability. uh, Severe. And he's a fucking tough son of a bitch, man. Like, you know, a neck as wide as a football. Like, just, you know, he's the real fucking deal. And I do these walking tours. And at the end of the walking tour that I do, this guy comes up to me. I didn't even know who he was. He goes, yo, I'm that dude. And I just want to tell you something. The day that I wrote you on an instant message on face, on Instagram and messaged you, I was sitting in a in my garage with a gun in my mouth. And I was going to take my life. And I said, let me reach out and see what this dude has to say. And he never said anything like that in the mail. I'm going to kill myself. Nothing like that. We were just shooting the breeze. He's like, yo, man, I'm having a tough time. I said, Hey, read these books on philosophy. You don't even got to order them. You could listen to them and, and read them right now. I'm going to send you the link. And no matter what we're going through, we got to push through, man. That's it. Every day is a test. Yeah. And he goes, yo, you fucking responded to me, man. And it, at that moment I said, I need to live for my family. And he told, you know, like, it fucking blew me away to have this guy come up to me and tell me that. Like, that's why, you know, I try to answer and help every single person that I can. You know, I have a brother that's an addict. He's been in comas. He's fucking, you know, it's. He wants to die, but he just won't do it. He's, He's choosing the path of slow death. So, like, I try to be of service to everybody, and, and that's what bhakti yoga means. It's the yoga of devotion. I, I, I'm there. You know, I serve Krishna, I serve Prabhupada, and I serve people. That's, I, I always put myself, you know, my, my spiritual name that uh, I, I, I was given is Jayananda Das, and Das means servant. So Hmm. that's why I always try to remain in service to other people. And, uh, you know, that's why I had a chance to buy a house. And I took that money and I opened up a yoga studio and I built it with my own two hands. And I kept it open and financed it for 10 years because and then my mother was like, you're crazy, you know that how could you, and then I said, Ma, just come to the yoga for a Sunday program and see what we're doing—feeding people plant-based meals and you know Krishna, Krishna food too. And and, and she came there. We had a hundred people in there, and when she walked out of there, she was in tears, and she said, "I'm never going to question why you did this again." I was like, Ma, you saw what. She came to visit me when I was a monk in Brooklyn. And she was like, she just knew and was so happy that I was doing that. Because she knew like what I've been through in my life, uh, I needed that. And I knew what worked for me. So if it could work for me, it could work for anybody. So that's why I tell, that's why I tell people, you know, don't put your faith in fallible soldiers, you know, don't place your faith in Maya, in the illusion, you know, like there's all this shit that went down in the last year, but according to the highest philosophy on the planet, the first teaching of the whole process is a hum brahmasmi, that we're not the bodies, that we're spirit souls. So yeah. what if everybody connected on that platform? I don't see a woman. I don't see a black person. I don't see a transgender person. I don't see any of that. I'm looking on the spiritual platform. When you come to the Brahman realization, That's where you see the the soul within everybody. You're not looking at people for whatever external material shell they have covering who they really are. So that's where I try to keep my consciousness, uh, you know, engrossed in that rather than like arguing politics And and I try to simultaneously help people with their health and and their mental fitness and toughness. That's why I started coaching. I started, you know, this year and what I said during this pandemic, if you didn't get your shit done, it's not because you had a lack of time, you had a lack of discipline. So I know what works for me. I know why I got over a dozen Ironmans done. I know why, I wrote books and films and TV pilots and songs and albums and was finally able to become clean and sober. So that's why I took up coaching to help people to get to that place themselves. And, um, you know,
0: yeah. Well, there needs to be some sort of, some sort of event or some sort of awakening, whether it's your story or, uh, I know for me too, for, uh, Stoic philosophy has been really helpful throughout this whole pandemic and everything going on is you, it just provides perspective, right? It's like this: sh- all this shit has happened before. It's like, this isn't the first time we're going through a lot of this stuff. So either you're focusing on what you can't control or focus on what, what you can, right?
1: That's what I tell everybody. Why are you focusing on something that you have no control over? Why don't you focus with the abilities that you have to better yourself right now and i was i was living in the epicenter of the whole shit new york city i didn't let that yeah. fucking get to me because practice and detachment you know and my tours with my band were all canceled everything was canceled my speaking engagements canceled. My, my tours with my band canceled. Couldn't do any walking tours. All canceled. Um, yeah. Speaking engagements canceled. So what was I able to do? I was still able to get up. I was still able to meditate. I was still able to write. I still went out and rode my bike and, and ran and did my workouts outside, even though all the gyms were closed. Mm-hmm. I was going to the ocean in a fucking wetsuit, <laughs> getting in the water in April. And I got an Ironman done. It's awesome. And I got an Ironman done and I was sick as hell on race day. I drank bad water or something down there and I was fucking throwing up and everything else. Oh no. But I wasn't going to quit. That's the mentality you have to have, you know?
0: Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about some of your practices. Cause uh, uh, you know, you've, you've mentioned uh, many of them, but one of them that we've never really covered on the show so far is just chanting. So, I mean, I mean, speak and to us. Like, be happy. Yeah, I mean, just just speak to us as if we've never. We have really no idea.
1: Well, here here's the deal. Uh, it, you know, I I do mantra meditation and um. Okay. I chant the Maha mantra, the Hare Krishna mantra. So the Sanskrit word mantra mind means man m a n means mind t r a tra. tra means to deliver. So mantra is supposed to deliver the mind. There's no secret fucking mantra that you have to pay yeah, yeah. <laughs> this money for, that these fucking hoaxers are all out there, you know, telling people, I, you pay for this secret mantra and all this, you know, or the secret and all this other sh- all this other shit, pay all this money. Everything Prabhupada gave was absolutely 100% free. Yeah. Yeah. All it took was your devotion. So that's why you can sit there and try to chant Coca Cola, Coca Cola, Coca Cola, Coca Cola, or any other mundane mantra and see how long you're able to do it. I've sat there chanting the Hare Krishna mantra for three, four hours at a time. Okay. Because it's a spiritual sound vibration. Yeah, yeah. So when you, when you, um, when you come in contact with the spiritual energy of the mantra, so Hare Krishna Rama, so it's the 16 words and syllables. It's Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. The translation literally means, O Lord, O energy of the Lord, please engage me in your devotional service. So you're not asking for anything. It's not a mantra to get something materially. And it's not an artificial imposition on the mind. This is the natural consciousness, the natural state of the living entity who has been placed in a material body with the five senses, having this, you know, the mind, the intelligence, all of this, having to suffer the threefold miseries, adi-boltic, adiatmic, miseries of the body and mind, miseries caused by natural disturbances and miseries caused by other living entities there's birth death disease old age right it's it's the Mm -hmm. samsara just like we're repeating the history of all the bullshit that we're seeing going down over and over and over again it's chewing the chewed right yeah it's like you get a piece of sugar cane and you put it through the press to get the juice out and then you try to suck on that Dry sugar cane, and think you're going to get some taste out of that. That's what the material world is. So, for me, once I lived as a monk and chanted Hare Krishna and applied the process, that's the whole thing. Everybody tries to mentally speculate, well, what about this? Well, what about that? And try to figure it out. You know what Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita? Te sham satatayuktanam bhajatam yogam tam To those who worship with love and devotion, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. That is the only way. That's the only way is the devotion to the path and the practice. Prabhupada always said, you don't try to lick, you don't try to taste the maple syrup by licking the outside of the jar. You open the jar and you taste the maple syrup. So it's like to try to mentally speculate on all of this stuff. And they would say to Prabhupada, well, show me God. I don't believe God exists. Show me God. And you know what Prabhupada said? You act in such a way, and Krishna will reveal himself to you. You can't demand anything. You surrender to the process, and then the the revelations the realizations come from that. Yeah. And that's why I chant every day. Because it's the only hope that we have in this Kali Yuga. Hare nama, hare nama, hare nama, eva kevalam, That without this process, there is no other way, there is no other way, there is no other way. And it's stated in the Vedas, when something is stated three times, it means it's absolute. How many more spiritual scumbag hoaxers trying to make a buck off of exploiting people do we need to see? How many more political bullshit artists lying and exploiting, selling out the country to the fucking oligarchs and the corporations fucking over every single American? How and, and then promising the next guy's going to be the hope, hope and change. We heard that. What happened after eight years of Obama? Not a motherfucking thing. See, I'm street. So I got common fucking sense. Just like all these doctors now that are plant-based, that are telling people, oh, yeah, GMOs are safe. Pesticides don't cause stomach problems. Uh, Yeah, you know, getting, getting this shot is as natural as eating an apple. Like... Really? I'm like, yeah, right? I said, motherfucker, the crackhead on the corner got more common sense than you. But- I don't remember any apples being sprayed with formaldehyde, str- uh, aluminum, and, and, uh, and, and, and mercury, right? So it's like you're just getting sold out and sold out and sold out. Now what are they saying? Oh, it's not even going to stop the spread but still wear a mask. It's like, look, I, it's I, never
0: I, don't even ending. Know,
1: I don't even tell people what to do. I'm just, I am an observer. I sit back and I let people make their moves and I watch and I observe. I've done it my whole fucking life. So what is the solution? Simple living and high thinking. Get back to growing your fucking food. If you can, like, like, If you live in big cities, support the farmers that are coming in, you know, to the to the you know what they have at Union Square, the farmer's market. You could buy organic stuff grown right from the farmer. Like get back to your meditation, get back to your roots. Stop putting your faith in all these fallible soldiers. And everybody has an agenda. That's one thing I have learned. Who is that person who only wants good for other people? That's who I associate with. Love it. That's who that's my fucking team. That's who I align myself with the selfless people who put themselves in a position to serve other people. That's what every great, whether it was Jesus Christ, Prabhupada, Mohammed, whoever the teacher was, Buddha. Like it was always about helping other people.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think, I think regardless of whether it's spirituality, whether it's pandemics, politics, uh, your diet, I mean, the, the whole reason, uh, you know, I put my energy into a show like this is just to expose some of these, these mental fitness practices and spiritual practices, because, they allow for that pause to think to your point, right? Like people, and I've seen it my, I get caught in this as well too. You, you, you just start spiraling and you stop thinking. Like you said, like, the, let's just go straight back to just logical common sense and ask some questions. And I feel like whether it's, you know, chanting, yoga, meditation, journaling, it doesn't matter. Whatever practice works for you or at least gets you started, allows you to yeah. slow down enough to ask some questions, right?
1: Absolutely. What is the most powerful force in the material world? What is the most powerful force in the material world? What is the beginning of all of our paths and search for knowledge? What is that one thing that happens where we go on our search? Why your show or any podcast or even music Mm -hmm. is so important? It's called hearing. Yeah, yeah. Shravanam. Shravanam kirtanam vishnu smaranam. You hear, you chant, you remember. You vibrate. It all starts with the hearing process. When I was in the military, what do they tell you? Shut the fuck up, shut your mouth, open your fucking ears, and pay attention to detail. Same thing in lockup. Open your mouth, you're going to catch fucking keys across your head and you're going to end up in the hole. Shut up. I'm running the show here. It's a little different when you get into the the yoga processes or the diets or anything. It was that I put myself in a position to learn. I shut my mouth and open my ears. Mm-hmm. My great aunt Betty from Ireland used to say, you have two fucking ears and one mouth. So you need to listen twice as much as what you're talking there, By
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: So there you go. Shut up and learn something. You don't walk into the dojo and start talking while the, while the, while the teacher is going to try to instruct you in something because he's going to whoop your ass. <laughs> you shut up and you learn. That's what you used to have to say. You bow down and say, please teach me. It's the same thing in spiritual life. You pay your obeisances. You're paying your respect to the other Vaishna. Please instruct me. The most merciful people like, are the ones that put themselves in a position to help other people. Stop all the practices of the murdering all over the planet. Whether you're taking a human life, a baby's life, a fucking animal's life, it's all karma. I don't care how you want to phrase it. It's all karma and it's affecting every situation on this planet. But that's why these podcasts and, you know, there's so much misinformation being put out there. There's so much Maya being vibrated. There's so much contaminated sound vibration that the real sound vibration, it come when it comes through, it comes through like a lightning bolt. The light switch comes on.
0: So true. That's
1: why everybody followed Prabhupada because we already know all this. And when, Prabhupada came in 65 and all the other gurus were coming from India and going to live up on Park Avenue and Fifth Avenue in the lap of luxury. Where did he go? He went to the Bowery, to the dangerous area, to help the real people that needed it. And he got robbed. All this craziness happened to him down here you know, but he came to serve when he started feeding people and they, and Allen Ginsberg got him the little storefront. He would cook and serve everybody and clean before he even took a grain of rice for himself. That's what acharya means. One who leads by example. So that's why these podcasts and, and all these avenues for people to hear some knowledge With all the Maya that's being put out in the mainstream media and putting people in fear. What is what does the Gita say? Ma Ha, do not fear. That's why Prabhupada, when they asked him in the airport, so all the Swamis are coming now, all the gurus from India, what great uh, you know, what great things have you come to show us, you know, like And Prabhupada simply replied, I've simply come to remind you of that which you have forgotten.
0: So powerful.
1: That was it. Simple living and high thinking. There's nothing wrong with technology, but when you're sitting on Instagram and arguing political bullshit all day over which scam artist you like the best, that's a waste of human time. That's not going to get you anywhere. That train called death is still on the same track heading towards you. What did you do today to better yourself as a human being? That's my question to everybody.
0: That was going to be, because I want to respect your time, but I was going to ask you for one good journaling prompt. And uh, I mean, that's perfect. That is perfect. Do, Do you have any, John, do you have any final Like if you had to leave one final message with everyone, is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah, anybody,
1: listen, all of this is free. Everything I'm telling you is free. There's no charge, right? If you want to read any of the Vedic teachings, all you got to do is go down PrabhupadaVedicLibrary.org and you can read those books. You can listen to them in audio. No, the bhakti Vedanta. Bhakti Vedanta, I'll tell you, uh, it's the Bhakti Vedanta Vedic Library.org. I'll send you the link if you want to post it.
0: Yeah, please.
1: You can read. Uh Amazing. I think I can send you a message, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Hold on one sec. What am I here? Uh Trying to figure out where the hell you are now. Oh, here we go. I'm trying to figure out. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll send it to you when we finish. Um, but yeah, just go down your own path. Love that. Turn off the news for one week. That's my that's my test. That's my suggestion. Turn off the news for one week. Stop being programmed by what they're telling you. Right. The fear that's being spread. Have human connections with each other with any without any preconceived ideas of anything. Get up and meditate. Stop supporting the slaughter of animals. Change your karma. The light switch came on once I stopped supporting those death industries. The light switch came on.
0: Hmm. And so, yeah, and there's so many you can't that. expect
1: there to be peace on the planet. and You're killing billions of animals worldwide every single day. Totally like how f- fucking like. Naive, are you that you think you could just support that? Brutal industry and it's going to be all good in the hood. It ain't. Those karmic scales have to be balanced. And those balances are going to come by hundreds and thousands of people losing their lives in war or pandemics or whatever the fuck. The pandemic came from the animal agriculture industry. That's what they told us. The the, the swine flu, all of it. When are we going to fucking learn, man? When are we going to fucking learn and wake up? Just stop the bullshit and get back to the grassroots of what it means to be a high thinking human being, man. Compassionate.
0: Yeah, simple living, high lift thinking.
1: You know, and that goes with vegans too. They're fucking assholes to a lot of people, and then they, they love animals and they fucking treat people like shit. So I ain't down with that either. Yeah, I don't call myself a fucking vegan or any of that shit or ever describe myself as a vegan. Although I practice every single tenet of that movement better than any of them, as a matter of fact, and longer than any of them, 40 years now, I yet will not put that label on myself. Yeah. Because that's not, you ask who I am, that's not who I am. I'm not John Joseph, the vegan. I'm John Joseph, the spiritual warrior that's out there trying to serve people by presenting the knowledge on every single front. That's my job. That's my duty. That's what I was told to do is to pay it forward. So that's, that's why I show up. That's why I do every podcast when people ask me. I put my money where my mouth is. I've been feeding the homeless in New York since 1982. And going out, putting up the cash and going out and actually feeding the people and, you know, developing friendships and relationships I've had for 30 years with some of these individuals, you know? Yeah. So don't talk about it. Be about it. That's, that's the philosophy of the street.
0: Well, full circle on this one, John, I mean, from who are you to, to the top of the, um, just kick things off right back to closing things yeah. off. I, I appreciate it. And thanking you for your time is, is not enough. In, in my opinion, I, I really want to thank you from, uh, myself, everyone listening and every live or life that you have touched and will, will touch. It's, it's your, uh, your devotion, Uh, your energy going to, you know, waking up every day and doing your thing that is changing a lot of lives and helping a lot of people. So that, you know, I just want to send a heartfelt thanks.
1: Well, you know, you can look on the website. Like I said, I got the coaching stuff going on. Uh, You know, you can subscribe to my newsletter, johnjosephdiscipline.com. And here's what I tell you. And I said it in the PMA effect. My dumb ass did not come up with this knowledge i'm like the mailman i'm just taking the letter and i'm out there delivering it you know and if it helps if one person's helped by this podcast if one person goes on you know back the uh the library and and reads a book and it helps them then mission accomplished what's the value of one human life
0: um support you on that one that's what i have said about this one absolutely Well, thank you, man.
1: Thank you.